welcome to fitness in relations uh we're going to talk about penis health today um as i um <laughs> i didn't say it off were you were you saying uh melissa you were mentioning that uh i'm sure if people went through the catalog of our of our podcast I'm not really sure. Yeah, it probably did. It has leaned more female for sure. Um, but that doesn't mean that uh, we need to uh, finish off the year, the calendar year of 2023 with, you know, discussing that. But it's something that uh, uh, came up in an Andrew Huberman podcast that you referred to me and I'll let you cue it up as well a little bit more maybe uh, right after this. But the uh with my previous reading on feminism over the past oh well so since 1792 really uh that's the date that i just started my kind of conversation with mary wollstonecraft um that is going to seep into this conversation today because the uh just the the point i was making on you know talking about penises for this show um is that Simone de Beauvoir and Judith Butler would have called this a very, they would have called the Huberman and the doctor podcast, a very phallocentric comprehension. Right. And you can just imagine, can you imagine, you know, those let's call them radical or just push them over to a radical side, a radical side of feminism, listening to these two guys talk about penises for, for two hours and penis health and et cetera. I could just, I could just imagine the uh, the fury that was built up inside with regards to, uh, you know, what I mentioned earlier of, uh, oh, whoa, me, you know. Anyways, cue up, the, uh, cue up the podcast. What were, what did you listen to? What are we talking about here for the podcast that you sent me? Did you, how did it come to you in front of you? Um, well, to, to his credit, Huberman did have a podcast um, within one or two episodes before this one that did talk about um, female, uh, sexual health function and fertility. And so, um, the the follow-up was improving male sexual health function and fertility. Mm. And I thought it was beneficial to our conversation because up until this point, we have talked about the nuances of, um, females within fitness and health, um, and the differences much more than we've talked about, um, men. And I thought it was important because, the same way we talk about a female growing up, um, not knowing anything about her monthly cycle or how her body functions. Uh, I think the same can be said in today's world of a lot of men growing up, just not understanding um, how their own biology functions. And Mm. uh, where I see it intersect is again, when we get to the place of wanting to get healthy, to have a child and um, kind of being aloof to how we got here Mm -hmm. or the role of the male in in this relationship. Yeah. Yeah. That certainly is an interesting starter. I think that was the start of the podcast as well. Right. Uh, Didn't they talk about some specific data of, uh, you know, uh, sperm motility and, um, and just uh, the, the chance of fertility or, you know, um, and it's not, it's not directly, uh, attributed to one or the other it's a it's a complex situation um 
like you said, and I, I don't propose for us to come up with like solutions to that, but you know, it's, I'll just say from the outset, it's very easy to be reactionary to these particular types of, you know, recommendations or information, right? It's very easy. I'll, I'll say that from the get go, because, you know, to take our position or my position anyways, you know, it could seem based upon what I will say, it could seem like, you know, it's just basically like, oh, you know, listen to what these guys had to say. Here's all the things that I disagree with all the all the notions. Right. That's what it can seem like. Anyways, from my perspective specifically. But it, it is interesting that you pointed out that the was the name of the podcast sexual health, function and fertility for males. Or was that the kind of three pillars that they were going after? Yeah, it was improving male okay. sexual health, function and fertility. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Um yeah, well, uh, just a couple things from the outset, but make sure we, I guess, come back to the, I guess, current fertility thing that you and I have discussed really in detail in multiple different ways. Um, well, let's start with the sexual health one. I'm very surprised, especially being two doctors, that uh, there wasn't a lot more conversation on uh, the brain and um, the essential differences between males and female brains. And that wouldn't be to start as a starter for them to say, oh, we just want to be like super clear that we know there's a difference between males and females. It would be to actually speak truths in the scientific analysis of the differences between male and females and their brain differences. Why? Because if a doctor is going to make a recommendation on anything that you heard from this podcast, they better say things like intimacy, sexual preference. Um, so it's, and, and what I mean by sexual preference is not like what, what gender you think you are. It's about like how many times do you want to have sex when you're 18 years of age, right? There's a continuum of individuals, let's just say for males, as an example, that want to have sex like, you know, four times a day when they're 18. And this is not like, <laughs> from from the clouds it's just they're that that is them um and secondly the other you know i guess area that i don't always like to see it in the conversation but why didn't they discuss uh sexual preferences of gay men inside of this conversation the whole conversation was largely based upon heterosexual males in what they're looking to th now the reason why this is important why the male female essential difference starter and the um, concepts of sexual, what's it called? Virility, I guess you could say, is so important because it connects, it's not just the penis. <laughs> this is the thing, like you have to recognize the the whole male thing is a brain, it's not just brain and penis alone, but those two things have a major connector. And I think if you don't discuss it from the get-go like that, you can't you can't understand, like a lot of their listeners would never understand that when they gave, when they tried to pray away gay or when they tried to uh, uh, medicate gay men by giving them testosterone because they thought, and excuse the language, but they thought they were fucking fairies, right? This is the honest, like, social comprehension of gay men at the time. Guess what happened? It made those men more virile. They actually wanted to have more sex. So th this is the, now, now to back up. That's why if there's any on sexual health, I would say people need to go and do a lot more reading 
which are books that I've recommended on here before. The Mating Mind by Jeffrey Miller, Why Men Behave Badly by David Buss, The End of Gender by Deborah So, Carol Hooven's book on testosterone, uh, The um, Estrogen Matters, which doesn't look like it connects, but it's a massive connector. Uh, Sex, Lies, and Menopause, this seminal, like, dirty piece of work many years ago that kind of flipped a lot of things on their head. These things would have a much better approach only in the context of sexual health. And I don't feel that they really tackled that. Did you during the podcast whatsoever? I don't feel, no, that wasn't brought up at all. Yeah, and I'm uh, I'm, I'm just surprised by the lack of the lack of awareness on behalf of doctors. Uh, but you know, I guess, but isn't he, isn't Huberman a neuroscientist? And it's okay. Like that wasn't a main talking point of the episode, but I think against your point, like having that in the general start of the conversation, um, yeah, we had to discuss it. Yeah. Uh, and but the, but there was a lot of discussion on function, right? I.e., the function of the penis, right? The phallocentric conversation the whole time. Um, and we know that because they started off by saying, you know, making claims based upon social levels of testosterone, which is, you know, in my opinion, an erroneous claim. Um, I think that a lot of the um, just a lot of the analysis and a lot of data as to how people are looking at that particular data. Um, I personally feel, and this is not reflective of our podcast or OPEX or what you may feel of it, but I feel that it's a power grab of medicine um, by creating, in my opinion, creating what looks like to be a horrible like downward trajectory of penis size and testosterone levels and like masculinity. I really do think this is my personal opinion. I think it's basically, um, I don't know what you call it in cultural terms today, but I think it's to create more dependent males on medicine and on medication um, that's my personal opinion. And I start there with regards to the premise for the conversation on function, because I'm just throwing my cards on the table. I'm basically saying, like, I think that the whole premise of the podcast, like two doctors talking about penises for two hours, is all under the umbrella of per performance and therapeutics. That's the whole umbrella. Um, so we have to ask that question, I think. On the function level, before we even get into maybe some questions you may have on, you know, why they took it a certain way or questions on it is, well, like what I said pre-show, why has this been going on? Why has this conversation, this exact same conversation been going on for 50, 70, 90 years? And, and you know, and Huberman has, I don't know how many followers and the doctor, you know, he's doctor and et cetera, but um you would think with all the, you know, you know, the, uh, the conversations that were had in the early 90s on quote unquote function, right? Um, you think people would have the balls, ironically, and no pun intended, to be able to say, hey, you know what? 
uh, by coming up with these innovative things like conversations on penis size, conversations on erectile dysfunction, big, big talk, right? Big medical talk on like chemistry and medicines and et cetera, how they pull people in, right? Because all these males are like listening in like, oh, maybe that's what I need, right? You're forgetting that all of this chatter that you heard for two hours has been going on for 70 years and things have gotten worse. Very interesting, very interesting. And no one's willing to say that it's quite possibly Males since the late 90s have had an unbelievable access to pornography and stimulation that changes their psyche for the rest of their life, which changes your entire narrative and makeup with regards to intimacy, sexual function, etc. You're forgetting that males are moving less and being physically challenged less for the last 50 years. And we have more access to shitty calories, more access to shitty calories, which means, yes, on the other side, you have poorer nutrition. But what do we still have? We still have two doctors wanting to talk about how to improve function. Pause is worthwhile. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what to say about uh, about it. Yeah, because I feel like for any male listening to this, they will gaze over or breeze over the first forty-five minutes that did talk on quick topic chips, but going over a little bit of food, alcohol, marijuana doesn't have an impact. Um, and jump straight to the second half, which was all on the therapeutics and ways to fix these problems. Yeah. Cause even Andrew said that, you know, cause you, you see, he would ask some questions, right. And he's asking the doctor questions, but he backs it up by saying these, this is what everyone of my listeners are interested in, yeah. which shows you uh, uh, yeah. audience capture. It shows you uh, the, the, the soft, version of mob mentality and it shows you why i call it this post-journalistic performative world like you're, you're not getting anything from it you're not going to get anything from it because it's all based upon how to fix what is broken the whole thing is based on how to fix what is broken and it's sad that everyone will only listen into the back end when all they're talking about is the false ideas of fixing right um but but this shouldn't surprise us right because it's not sexy to 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 say chew your food it's not sexy to say you know maybe you could not look at pornography for six months and just see what happens to your psyche and your your willingness and your um just what's in your brain what's in your what's in your your body, you know, like why, why, why doesn't this, why, why don't the, they, you know, lay claim to saying from, from the get go, these are the things we believe in. And we know it's not the case because you have two doctors just playing a role inside of that therapeutic paradigm. And then the odd, and I know I can't, can't not see it, but there's, don't forget there's 
supplement supplements as sponsors of the show every nine minutes or whatever. Yeah. Right. And so again, this may seem like a purist high horse, but no, you need to recognize that the, whatever the supplement, you know, thing is that's being sold. That's a pure indication of the performative advertisement based world. Right. You know, and they have, so they have to sell, they have to sell this information. And I just think there should be a lot more time spent on why, or why are so many people to Andrew's question points, right? Why are so many guys curious in this? And I think they should have just stopped there. They should have just said, yeah, let's, let's think about that. Why are so many interested in that? And I think it's because we are at a time again, where, Everything is, what does my scientist say? Give me the scientific explanation. Give me the therapeutic, like, right? Give me the scientific reason and give me the therapeutic solution for it versus acknowledging that this could be a social issue that's gotten us here. Yeah. Not a medical and of issue. course, it's sexier to post on Instagram that you're using HCG as a biohack. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but but think of that story, right? Like, People will not, it's, it's not sexy to say, you know what? I'm just going to take nine months away from porn. I'm going to eat more broccoli and I'm going to treat everyone around me a whole lot better. And then I'll come back and tell you about what my brain level is like and my quote unquote erectile dysfunction. No one's going to do that, right? No male is going to post about that. But you see, this is the, that's the world we live in where we live in the world where a lot of those males really think it's not worthwhile to just go into a corner and figure stuff out for themselves and take the responsibility to be able to have the balls to say, you know what? I'm not going to look to a doctor to fix something. It's up to me. I'm the person that decides this. Right now, even on the back end of whatever medicine they prescribe or whatever the doctor says, you know, uh, this is why I don't even like to get into the weeds around just like I never got into it with regards to um, nutrition with anyone in any any area based upon that, because you'll end up 20 years deep in arguments on Reddit about uh, nutri nutraceuticals and fucking supplements. And you'll get so deep. And the next thing you'll know, you're like, oh, my God, we walked ourselves into an argument of writing a paper on why Doritos is better than broccoli. That's where you'll end up. So it's the same thing here for medicines, for doctors. You know, they could sure you could you could throw some data at me. Oh, James, they took 5000 men and they gave them this. And, you know, they had bigger peckers. Great. Great. Listen to yourself. Listen to yourself. So you've got 5,000 guys to have bigger peckers. You're going to say that's a general thing now as a consensus for everyone to do? How about we ask the question, why do they have a problem with their pecker size? Mm, why, did, why didn't we just ask that? Oh, no. No, that's too hard. Right? It's too hard to do that. Again, back to the point. These doctors have a responsibility to be able to front end that. And sometimes in different systems, I hear this, Melissa, but I didn't hear it this time, which was unfortunate. Where, you know, in other, meaning in other systems, you know, I listen to uh, people talk a big talk on economics. OK, and they're, they're economic wizards and they'll start with like this basic premise that's like, listen, this is what we really believe. Now let's get into the weeds of like what people are doing. You know what I'm saying? But they never said that. They never said like, listen, we all we both know that like treating your not treating yourself like an asshole, 
you know, uh, not drinking and, and smoking pot, not being lazy, not being gluttonous, not treating people incorrectly, like those things, plus some physical challenges and, you know, um, eating whole foods and like learning and trying to grow your mind. We do believe that that stuff will lead to all of these issues being unfounded. Now let's get into the topic. And they never, they never went there, right? That's they. So I was disappointed that they never went there with regards to that. Now this still may leave a particular person that you described, right? This avatar of an individual who's um, quote unquote at their wits end. But what do you think Melissa is going to be the driving thing that's going to, going to get that person based on my point on data and science, right? Why would anyone believe Melissa and James? Ooh. Why is that person in your gym I, not going to fall prey to AG1 and the newest probiotic and sleep, you know, downers and uppers? We underestimate there are still a large population of people that are willing to put in the work. And to your point to that, right, the preface of just saying these things work and then getting into the conversation, it's the same thing we see in the dietitian world, right? Um, oh, people aren't going to be willing to do it. So we're going to tell them it's okay to have a diet Coke, right? Like, oh, you should have a snack after dinner. Like, don't deprive yourself of sweets because we've already decided that people aren't willing to do the work. And I think there are a lot of people that want to learn how their body functions, that want to do the things that are in their control um, to become healthier beings and don't want medication or, you know, um, more snacks to eat. They want to learn how to eat properly. Yeah. And I think that's where we've like given up from a medical side and a, and a dietitian side that people are willing to, that people aren't willing to do the work. Mm -hmm. You know, I think there's a big population of, especially the mid 20 to 40 year old that didn't grow up with great principles or role models and they want to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And that's where that's the optimist in me, but I do, I see it a lot. Well, I see a I lot of people that don't want to go to fertility treatment. They yeah. want to exhaust their own resources and do everything in their power before they go that route. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. There's a, there's a big counterculture to the, just give me the quick fix or like, right. Um, there are some people that, that want to put the work in. They just don't know how. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm agreeing with that. Uh, I think also it goes back to my point I said earlier but I think the numbers are severely dwindling over time, over 50 years. That's the point I made of like this. This is why I hope people can sense it. I'm I'm like exhausted from this conversation. Um, and Melissa could feel it as soon as I kind of opened up my mouth to start our conversation today. Is like I told her I could talk for five hours endlessly on why all of this, the whole thing is wrong in my mind. And the reason why I feel like convicted when I make that statement is that I've heard this same shit from 10 gods of fertility for 50 years. I'm going to be 50 in January. So that's a lie. I've heard of 30 years. Right. And uh, I've been in and out of that system, i.e. as a user or a consumer or a producer or whatever. And I've seen 10 different you know, fertility gods on this. And I've seen no, to, to your point, there are still some that want to do the work, but I've seen no collective improvement, collective improvement because of the things I mentioned earlier, 
right? Um, of the, um, uh, we're not having a conversation on brain health. We're not having a conversation that it takes two to tango, right? Like, and both are getting older, you know, if we're going to have the conversation, we're not talking about, you know, conversations on like you and I talked about before the social parameters. So people would say, oh, you know what? Well, it's important for you to be fertile at 28. Well, but why? Why would you want to have kids? Like these questions have to be asked in this context, right? Oh, so what does it mean to have kids? Oh, you know, just three kids. Oh, well, what's the cost for that? Oh, well, we're not concerned about that because we just know we need to be fertile enough to have three kids. No, ask, go back, go back, ask the questions. It's 2023, right? How, what's the cost of having three kids? You know, are, see, the, the, see the, these are the things inside of that, that that's why it exhausts me because it's just these simple people just take, I guess they just take biology for granted. They're just like, yeah, you know, we'll figure it out. We'll come up with technology, you know, um, and it'll move things forward. But I have not seen that with the 10 fertility gods saying the same thing, you know, for 30 years. I haven't seen any improvement. I, so to end with that, I, I do agree with you. But my 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 period my light of optimism is so small, is so tiny, um, that I don't want anyone to hear me out and become unmotivated by doing the hard work. Don't don't hear it from me. <laughs> you know, it's just that if no one quote unquote speaks up about what is wrong with what this is perceived to be right. Everyone perceives this to be the right method. Oh, listen to him. He's not a biohacker. He's a doctor. He's a scientist, you know, Huberman husbands or whatever. Like, I, I need to tell you that's, it's incorrect information. It's not the right information. What is the right information? It's self-responsibility of following through with the basics. And then if you exhaust that for 10 years, and I'm just talking to someone who's 30 right now, for 10 years, by all means, I will point you in the direction of someone who can take care of you effectively if you need to work on things under the hood, okay? And that could be even a psychologist to, to take away your worries that no one really gives a shit about your penis size. <laughs> or it could be, like specific hormonal manipulation if there's some connections to what was seen in your epigenetic profile. Do you know what I mean? Like, but don't, don't talk to me or ask questions unless you've exhausted all those basics. And I think you and I could probably write a book on what the basics could be for males inside of fitness in relations. And cause it would entail more than just drink water and sleep and watch your poo it would be more specific to males. And I've just mentioned some of them, right? And I think one of the biggest social quote unquote barriers that we have is not having the conversation on the young male brain and how it's influenced today, how it's influenced today. So when I say young brain, I'm just going to talk about ones that have the capability of still being fertile. We forget that it's, there's a vast amount of things that lead to that brain just being, you know, a mess by the time they're 35. And some of a lot of those things are controllable, i.e. porn. I'll just point my finger at it again over and over. And you let's just not use the word porn. Let's talk about your willingness 
to other than be with the partner that you want to be intimate with, you find ways of pleasure besides just your brain, besides just your mind and your thoughts, right? So that's an easier way to, instead of using the P-O-R-N word, which people get like, you know, they get, you know, freedoms and liberties and everyone gets like jammed up on that one. It's like, no, I'm not, I'm not talking sex work or sex trade or nothing. I'm not, it's not into that. It's just think about the psyche of an intimate relationship and a relationship that wants to last 50 to 60 years. And if you're not connecting with the dots there, if you're asking questions on fertility, you have to remember that that male still needs to be extremely aroused and connected at a deeper level with that female, a deeper level. And do you know what, what quashes that? 3,800 different versions of watching things in the digital world. It, it like cracks, it cracks a brain because it, it connects to what is not real. And so you could take that as you wish, right? It's like, well, well, James, it exists. And, you know, uh, what it's like, okay, but then don't talk a big talk on biohacking or medicines. We can, we can stop the podcast right there because that is a conversation that even within OPEX, we've never dabbled in because it makes people uncomfortable i can have uncomfortable i know why but i'm just saying i can have uncomfortable female conversations around things that maybe no one else talks to another female about but until you just said that right now i don't think majority of the coaches that have come through ccp would ever consider that in supporting a guy that was like hey yeah we're gonna have to try to have a kid cool the conversation around do you watch porn how much porn do you watch if you want to support fertility and your wife's going to do this for the next two years how about you try doing this because we've already labeled that from our value systems that we just don't talk about porn because porn's dirty or we love porn and we just yeah do it but we don't ever talk about it from this lens Mm -hmm. and it's the inability to have the conversation right like this i hope any coach listening to this is just sparked that like oh shit i could have this conversation with my male client and maybe he'd listen to me. I don't know. Maybe he won't. But maybe for three, six months, he stops. Yeah. I was just trying to think about the world where someone would have the balls to just stop, though, and not be, like, socially pressured. But I feel like, you know, again, if you don't have a lot of friends, you're not telling everyone in your, like, small circle that you watch porn five times yeah. a day. Yeah, for sure. It would take it. Yeah, it would take someone listening to individually just go, you know what? It's just not, it's not because Jesus said so, or someone's watching me. It's got nothing to do with that. Uh, I could talk again for another two hours based upon how that like poisoned a billion minds based upon that. Right. Um, So I don't take it that front. Um, You just have to sit back and go, it's just not helpful for my psyche. It's not helpful. I perceive uh, sex and women and things to be completely different. Like, you know, um, <laughs> let's add some humor to it, but it sometimes can shake people up, you know, um, especially males. Um, the anus and vagina that you see on in porn is not reality. 
uh, the way that people go about doing things in porn is not reality. And those two things, if they get in your head, you have to know it changes your entire perspective. It changes your entire perspective. You start rank ordering things in your own mind. So again, this gets into the talk of incels, right? Or people who are like, oh, I can't find anyone. That Well, that in my, in my own personal opinion, I think that's a lie. Uh, but, you know, apparently society thinks it's something that's super important right now. I think there's a lot of opportunity for that. You can't see my hands, but like meeting like in the context of sexual preference and virility of each person, male and female, regard like when 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 porn is taken out of it, i.e., you know, you'll have a sexual preference of people that are, quote unquote, really virile, want to have sex all the time. Well, guess what? Most times you'll get paired up with someone who's like, yeah, I kind of enjoy that process as well. If we can do that together in the right kind of fashion that we have children, that's a bonus. That's a separate question for another time. But otherwise, if you want sexual intimacy that lasts forever, you can get paired up with that person, right? So to see, that's my whole point on like, you know, oh, I, gee, I, gee, I, can't, uh, I can't get an erection, you know, twice a day. I must have a problem. Maybe you don't. Maybe that's just, the, again, back to the brain differences between males and females, sexual intimacy, and se- what I call sexual preference. Like I should call it like virility or like sexual function, right? You don't go back and ask questions on that. You're going to think something's wrong with you. This is that that's the that's the point, right? It's like, oh, I'm, there must be something wrong. You know, I'm 50 years of age and I don't feel like I need to have sex like I did when I was 18. Well, you've never, you know, listened to an OPEX coach, <laughs> or you've never you're you're yeah you're not a, you're not aware of your surroundings based upon what we talk about a growing, peaking, and resisting entropy, yeah. right? And the whole the whole life cycle, and you for sure haven't had a con- good conversation on quote unquote, being paired. Now, this does tie into previous things we talked about, right? Remember the darker side of birth control that we talked about, especially from a from a pill. Yeah. And how it affects like scent and like sexual preferencing and et cetera. So now throw that into the mix. So you get a male on one side who's watched porn since he's been 14. He's 21 years of age. He thinks every anus and vagina looks like that. And he has this expectations that sex is supposed to be like this. And then you have a female who's giving off both chemically and indirectly these signals that are not her true nature signals. So, so what what are we going to be? You're you're thinking the trad wife is like the answer to that. (laughs) I know this. It's humorous, but this is what we'll come. This is what we've come up with. Yeah. Like, oh, well, you know, we need to go back to these conservative moral principles. What? No, I think we need to have a question, right? On thinking that like lightning is going to strike you down if you watch pornography. That that That's the thing that we need to have a conversation on, right? How yeah. is your perception based upon it? How has it changed? And that's why I say like David Buss's work or Carol Hoover's stuff or Deborah So's work. If you start to understand that humans are on a spectrum with regards to uh, how often they want to have sex or what intimacy and stuff means to them at the purest level of that person, regardless of hormones and and pornography and et cetera. um, You'll see that there is a there is a. uh, a way of going about pair bonding that will make sense to you. 
over time because you'll find that person that, you know, it works well for you. And ironically, you won't get in this position. Now, of course, if you do all the quote unquote basics we talk about, next thing you know, you're going to be 45 years of age and you're going to laugh when you hear this podcast by Andrew Huberman and this doctor who's a urologist. You're going to laugh. You're like, why do all these guys think they have these problems? Why are these two doctors saying there's this like massive testosterone issue, right? And if you get into those areas, like, oh, it could be environmental, could be in the water, you know, underarm deodorants, whatever, you know, and what's their solutions? Oh, wear an ice pack on your scrotum when you're doing a sauna. Are you, are you fucking kidding me? That's the one thing every male will take away from that podcast. Totally. Totally. Which you want Amazon, is sad. how do we get that ice pack right after? It's sad. It's, it's totally sad. It's totally sad. And that male is scared shitless to say, you know what? No, it's my abuse of watching porn. It's the drinking that I did from 17 to 31 years of age, three times a week. Right. I did that to myself. And I'm scared shitless and ashamed to say that that was, that's the issue. So instead I'm going to ice pack my scrotum while I'm, while I'm in a sauna that costs more than what I could afford. So you can't come off by saying, you know, cause you heard it in Hebron's words. Oh, I don't like the biohacking conversation. Whenever doctors say that they they say that because they dislike that about what they're what they're saying and teaching because all the shit he's talking about is a hack mm-hmm. right because yeah. they talk a big talk on medicines right did you hear how long they went on about specific medicines for vasodilation and blood pressure changes and blood flow i, I was like you know what also creates blood flow to the penis not watching pornography for 10 years uh doing resistance training three times a week not eating shitty foods, right? And if you want to corner that then and like, oh, no, 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 that's not going to work. It's all these hacks that they're talking about that is going to work. You're you're captured. You're sucked into it, you know? Uh, and the next thing you're going to know, you're going to be like providing money to institutions where they're going to have uh, hundreds and hundreds of 50-year-old men show up and get testosterone therapy or hormone replacement therapy and of course, Ozempic that will go with it. Um, and then just wash their hands from it. And you're going to be supporting this, right? And you're you're calling yourself a health activist or a health advocate. You're a fraud if you're going to say that. You're a fraud because you don't have the balls to say what that 50-year-old needs to do before they show up. You know what they need to do? They need to do some weight training. They need to walk more than go to a CrossFit class. They need to stop drinking. They need to stop smoking pot. They need to treat those around them with care and dignity. And inside of my last point I just made there, that's where the mental stimulation of the digital faux world, F-A-U-X world of sexual intimacy has to, has to go. Go meaning like leave. And if people go on that journey... Because I've heard about it, I've read it, I, I know it, I've helped male clients through that process. I'm telling you, it's much sweeter. You're a much, you know, dare I say, but uh, you know what I mean by that? They're a much sweeter person on the other side. They're such a better human on the other side. 
because they built this self-dignity as well as dignity for other people. Right? They, cra they crack all of this sexual objectification shit that's going on in their head. They look beyond their partner as just a body because they're not a body. But if you've been told they're a body for 15 years because of your digital influence, I'm telling you that's where you need to go, not to fucking medicine for your erectile dysfunction. You're being, it's a ploy. You're being pulled aside and being told to line up for this medical, these medical things down the road. I can't even believe they were talking about penis stiffeners and like lengthener, you know. It was like half the half the episode was all on. I know. And Andrew said that he gets a lot of questions about penis size. I was like, wow, are we really still at, like, again, I, I, I kept asking myself, you know, Lily had no idea what I was talking about, my dog, when I was saying this, but why, why is this conversation, you know, still a thing? I was surprised, you know, but again, to your point is like, if all you do is watch porn, and that's your ideal version of what intimacy looks like and what your body's supposed to look like the same way as a female's like, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Who, who decide? like, I think that's a ploy as well. Who decided that, you know, cause you hear it generally comes from, I would call them unhappy males who say, Oh, women want six feet tall, six pack and six inch long penis. Yeah. Who told you that? That's a fucking lie. Which, is a a which has come up in multiple conversations. I'm like, wait, have you ever talked to females to ask <laughs> or, or your own partner that that's what you, that's what she so wanted? So to your point, this is, this is not coming from females. Do you see my point, right? Yeah. So if you keep asking that question, well, where is this information coming from? Medicine. Yeah. I'm telling you, medicine has everyone captured in that because they want to be the purveyors of having the answer to all these things. But you have to remember, if there's two doctors there talking, what what are, what are they really good at? They're good at fixing things. That's their profession, right? But they sure shit should not be making any recommendations on sexual intimacy, on brain penis connection, and certainly not any recommendations on social issues. Like what is happening socially? Because if you don't have a pulse on that, i.e. you don't know the cost to raise kids, you don't know the cost to go to school, you don't know the you don't know the influence on young men's young men's brains and pornography. If you don't have any conversation or a conversation ability on that, just shut your mouth. Don't say anything. So as soon as they tiptoe into that data around the social perspectives of testosterone, that's Melissa why I land on why I think it's very erroneous. I think it comes from this really power grabbing place to put people on medicine over time. And if it's not that, I don't know what it is because they, 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 the, um, you know, in, in particular, like the penis size one, you, you notice that Andrew wanted to tap step, you know, there actually is a lot of data on that. And there actually are racial distributions of penis size I'll just stop there to allow people to figure out the data for themselves. Um, I can give you the reference um, after the podcast. You can include yeah. it in the notes or just the, the language that people want to read. Um, Charles Murray, as well as this other uh, gentleman, have you know 
extracted this kind of information for a long period of time. And yes, there are some distribution curves to show you that, yes, ethnicity, race, culture will kind of line up with regards to penis size. This has been known for a long period of time. And the only reason why I find that conversation somewhat interesting is that you could hear Andrew want to get into that area, but you could see the urologist was like, oh, well, the data was like, we take it when they're flaccid and we stretch the penis out and you can measure it, or we give them injections to make them have an erection and then we can measure it. And the whole time listening to that going, how in the hell does this have to do with fertility or, or sexual intimacy from another partner? You know, I kept thinking that I was like, right. <laughs> fascinating. But I guess I shouldn't be surprised, right? Because a lot of people listen because they think they're going to be able to raise their penis size by taking this uh, uh, medicine that they were so interested in talking about. Because a lot of Huberman's listeners were really amped up to hear about this particular, I forget, do you remember what the medicine was called? Or the particular, uh, damn. It was an off-label name that the urologist was happy that Andrew mentioned. Yeah. but anyways, everyone, you know, they talked for a number of minutes on that. Yeah. Which just goes to show that, you know, um, there, unfortunately, a lot of people are still interested in that. Like, how do I increase my penis size? So uh, I'm not even sure if Simone de Beauvoir is dead, but I, and I don't even know if Judith Butler is, but these old radical feminists are rolling in their grave uh, listening to two hours of this, you know, phallus chatter as to how important uh, penis length, penis function, et cetera. And, you know, what's really sad is that even they would have had the knowledge to be like, have you, are you entering into the conversation around the person's lifestyle? Are you going to talk about their, their specific sexual preference? You're not even going to have that. It's, you know what I'm saying? that They're probably just laughing, you know, at that particular thing. Yeah, so I guess the only thing we can land on is not is to recognize that, you know, Cialis and penis stiffeners and conversation on libido are not it's not innovative chatter. It's not innovative. This this that whole podcast, it's 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 not innovative. It's so it's so archaic. It's so archaic, it's gross. And the reason why it's archaic is like this, this idea of being able to deal with a lot more calories in the day and not having to move the, the things we've come up with for that for 50 years has been a failure, a complete failure. And so you can just rest on this. If, if you want to quote unquote, make any dent whatsoever, and this is a collective thing for males, you want to make any dent whatsoever. It's a, (laughs) This is definitely a pun that will be remembered in a CNN bit. It's the long, hard game that matters. Long and hard is what you need to focus on, ironically. Um, And any like little, you know, uh, and I know how difficult it is. I can hear a male, you know, listening in and asking this question back uh, by saying, 
yeah, but I like to get my fix of this, or I like to get my, you know, this makes me feel, you know, good by doing this, you know, and, oh, well, James, well, how about uh, smoking pot only once a week? You know, like, you can just, you can just imagine the thousand questions that come back. And I will not answer them. I won't even actually entertain your questions back. I've already given you the answers, right? So if you want to do the long, hard game, it requires basically real food, no exogenous stimulants or uppers or downers, a real deep introspection on what, where your, where your uh, concepts of sexual intimacy, um, intercourse, relations, um, you know, sex itself, where all those things come from. What is your story? What are your parents? What did you grow up with in your formative years? How did you start viewing these things? You know, you could ask some of the things that I heard in, in the podcast, which was kind of positive, right? They didn't actually ask it, but it's kind of a good story to go back to. When was your first quote unquote wet dream, ejaculation, puberty? Like that is a good, you know why? Because that connects you to the purest starting point of what your perceptions were when this happened. Because as you know, Melissa, we talked about this for females specifically, because I used, you know, the younger female audience from a different topic based upon that and the changes in life and et cetera. This is a very, very intricate time for this population, right? Very, very intricate time. It's such a monstrosity of a transformation from this little innocent brain to a brain that just wants to screw a wall or a toy, you know, uh, being humorous, but I'm kind of not. You, and it's it's like, what what the hell, right? What the hell? So if you don't have it in your own brain to get kind of get information on that, and if instead that becomes a facade where you're like, oh, look at my penis, and then you see porn, and you're like, oh, that's what I do with my penis, yeah. your entire story is effed. The entire story is effed. You won't know what self-pleasure is. You won't know what um safe sex on two small s's actually means you won't get it um and if now you're 40 years of age you're like oh i got all these problems i don't know i guess i'm not the person to talk to you know um because the long hard game is the only answer for you if you're 40 you know what you need to do yeah you need to rehab yourself but you know what rehab is is getting away from the crack changing your brain uh, taking some time off of everything, uh, and doing some real work, lifting weights, walking, uh, trying to be kind to people and see what happens when you're kind to people. That's what will change you. How long will it take? 10 years, maybe 10. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. It's not, it's not two weeks. Oh, I can really feel the changes. No, it's 10 years. And then you got to decide, do I want to spend 10 years at the hard game to kind of switch around or just want the, you know, fucking quick fix. I'll do this when I'm 41 and I'll figure things out. I'll just tell you, it actually won't be. You're going to be dependent on medicines for the rest of your life if you go that route. Because in 45, you'll be back on this podcast asking questions about what the newest thing is for erectile dysfunction. Yeah. Or another darker area, you're going to come back when you're 55. And your 13-year-old boy is going to be watching pornography. Now you've got yourself something to work with. Yeah, now you got something. 
now you're in the weeds, right? So why that hurts more? Your progeny, right? This is this is the world we live in. So what's your decision, right? Are you then going to do a self-reflection and go, damn it, my whole perception was based upon this false idea of sexual intimacy and relationships. And instead, what we land on is, like I said, with snatches, I don't know, many years ago, just because snatches exist doesn't mean you need to do them. It's the same thing for all this chatter of Huberman's chats. Because ice packs on scrotums exist doesn't mean you need to do them. So, Melissa, how did we answer that question in OPEX and all of our gyms to people? We didn't just stop snatches. No, we asked people. We're like, what is good movement? What's movement that's going to last you forever? What's the best movement for you, for your capabilities? So think about those questions and ask the same things about alcohol, sleep, erectile dysfunction, phallus lengthening devices, like all of those, just because they exist doesn't mean you need to do them. Because there's Cialis out there, because there's uh, whatever they're called now, the LSD and newest forms of mollies or whatever. Like that's, it's just, just because it exists doesn't mean you need to do it. It's the same thing as snatches. So ask those same questions. What's going to be good for me? What's going to be good for me long-term? And what, what I guess I can be consistent with. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you can't be consistent um, with the quote unquote performative biohack, you know, paralysis model. And it creates paralysis because there's so much analyzing that goes on. It just makes people, ironically, it makes people's penises fall off because they get so, so much in their head. They get so much anxiety uh, because someone told them to listen to the podcast and they're like, holy shit, you know? I don't pee during the night and I generally have erections like five out of the seven sleeps and I want to have sex like every 10 days. And this person's like, I'm, I'm significantly abnormal. No, no, (laughs) actually that's you. This is what, this is what you need to hear. That's you. So if you have a good base of support, good formative years, not a debauchery (laughs) of your life thus far in your 40 and you're like that, I'm telling you, you got a good 40, 50 years left. Um, And I hope people can understand that it's a 10-day thing. I know that may blow some people's minds, but just to let everyone know, there's a lot of people out there that don't want, and they really don't think about sex all the time. Our society has been made to think that that's all the conversation, all the time. Why? Because it makes money. It makes people reliant on medicine. Influencers. Right? We only need to look at Kim Kardashian's story to understand that. She wouldn't sell anything today if she didn't do a a sex video. That's how it all starts. It's unfortunate. Depending upon how you see it, but hey. (laughs) It'd be no one if it wasn't for that. But that's my whole point on the quote-unquote concepts of societies telling you and you not you not recognizing that we all have our own like sexual virility everyone's wired differently 
that's why I read uh, Buss's stuff because David Buss and Jeffrey Miller, I think, would be two you know com complementary readings on this because they make you think about the really difficult conversations, and I would say Charles Murray as well, the difficult conversations on the evolutionary reasons behind your quote unquote low virility. That's a really difficult one to contend with, right? Now, there are some people that get to like certain years of age and they just actually can't have a child. And in that case, I am significantly empathetic and sympathetic to that situation, right? Where there's like, you have no control over the epigenetic lineage that got you to that point. It's just not possible. And I employ all kinds of newest forms of technology, including surrogacy, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Why? Because it is necessary, I believe, for that individual based on what they wish to do, right? It's a whole separate conversation based upon the cost of children, future education, et cetera. But um, that's the case. But the uncomfortable aspect is sometimes it's just not meant to be. And there is there are like, you know, things that are beyond you and me, Melissa, that are in control of that. It's not a God thing. It's just the evolutionary successful lineages thing that is just not going to work for some people. And in some cases, that's okay. That's generally where I want people to land on it. It's like, you know, it's just the way it is, you know? Um, and so just think about trying to reverse engineer that where you're like 22 and you have this certain, you're a male and you have this certain sexual preference. Right. And now you listen to this podcast. You're like, Holy shit. Like, I think I may have some rectal dysfunction. Honestly, you may think that, but instead I want you as a 22 year old me to listen to that and go, well, what have I done for the past six years? Do I resistance train three times a week? And do I do long aerobic work to like, you know, develop my mind and to relax, you know, four times a week on those other days? Do I do that? Do I eat like shit for the past 17 years? Have I? Okay. Like th that's the first question you should ask. Not like, oh, gee, should I invest in Cialis as a 22-year-old for blood flow? I guess you could have, or we could have, you know, taken, I say we here, it's, it's, not, it's not we, I've been talking way too much for the the whole time but i opened this one up to you okay <laughs> but like we could say you know prepubescent uh pubescent you know single mid-20s um you know into a relationship into your 30s with maybe a child um you're 50 you're 65 like you're 80 and they've taken that whole quote-unquote male sexual health, sexual function, sexual fertility conversation. And you should just know that there's all the answers are still the same, meaning you trust in biology. You recognize that you're all individually differently wired for virility and libido. You're all wired differently. And the reasons for that you've been given to you from your parents or your grandparents, right? That's been given to you. And you just have to deal with what you've been given. And don't go any further than recognizing that if you are interested in that in pair bonding over time, 
which does involve intimacy, relations, sex, lots of conversation for 60 years based upon that, just between you and another person, then yeah, you will find someone who ironically today, maybe, you know, I maybe you think, Melissa, this probably could actually easier be found today uh, with with uh, online dating. That may that pair bonding may actually occur more effectively. Do you know what I'm saying? Like instead of having to wait till you're 25 and meeting 12 different people at a specific club and university over the past six years, uh, you're finally like, oh, my gosh, you too. Yeah. I don't really like to have sex all the time. It's just something I'm not kind of interested in. They're like, yeah, me either. But I like chemistry. And there's like, you know, I'm saying like this. Would you agree with me? That could probably happen online and eat faster today. More of a conversation earlier. Yeah. Yeah. I would think that's going to happen at a quicker rate. Yeah. If we know that males move less and they do less challenging stuff today. If we know that they eat higher cows and less nutritious food today, um, does this make this po- that podcast on medicines and biohacking and et cetera helpful? Not no. the least. Not the least helpful. If they don't open with that, and if you don't open with the idea of the male-female essential differences in brains and sexual preferencing and exactly what that means, the outcomes of it. And I don't think if you get into that conversation, you're essentially just going to have, you know, males listening in on uh, self-pleasure. They're just they're just listening in as to like, oh, well, you know, okay. This is what will get the girls like. Gosh, who told you that? Man, it's actually not the case. And are there a few out there who uh, could, quote unquote, become light Huberman husbands and eventually after five years, like see the light in transition? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. But if that person didn't do it themselves and take responsibility for doing it themselves, um, and they didn't hear it today, or they don't get it for the future, then uh, it'll come back to haunt you. Eventually, it's got to land on you. You've got to be responsible for it. And I don't see any of it being like long-standing because intentions are incorrect. It's like, you know, it's like anything else. It's like you can tell someone to chew their food, but they're chewing their food because they think it's going to help them lose five pounds. All right? Like, see if that's for doing it six months later probably not you know or maybe not maybe they continue yeah. forever but it's always yeah. you know always based upon the person's intentions yep um yeah and some of the things that we ask in our opex gyms uh will get you there i really do think i mean uh, opex coaches have been lambasted with that right uh indirect question which we refined over time it must be like masterful now for you to ask that question but you know in, indirectly, we ask this question in like 18 different ways, but it's all the same question. Uh, why are you here? And what's your real deepest intentions as to why you're doing this? We ask that question 18 different ways. 
but it's all and the reason why we premise that all the time is because we want the truth right from the get-go we don't want to wait two years before we figure out that you're addicted to biohacking and if we sense whatsoever from the get-go that you need some like coercion or influence or help or whatever we'll steer you in that direction right from the get-go but we want that honesty from the get-go oh i just want to lose 10 pounds just to, so everyone can hear it we don't stop at that we don't go oh, okay let me take that down as notes and we'll get started on your program no we'll ask a secondary question that says who told you that you need to lose 10 pounds or where did you get that information that at 10 pounds less you're going to be something different these are the questions we ask and then it's not just that one it's like a third and a fourth and a fifth and we get to what's we call backroom seventh level levels <laughs> seventh level stuff around that where the person by the end of it is like you know what yeah uh i came in here thinking i was going to be fixed but i realized it's up to me and thanks because now you're going to help me do it this is essentially where we want to move everyone towards it reason why i say that is that th that's essentially the answer for any males who are questionable questioning sexual health, sexual function, sexual fertility, right? Is that that's how OPEX would answer it. It's like, we're not going to get into conversations of your program in 10 minutes after you say, oh, I got erectile dysfunction. No, we're going to ask a lot more questions. Who told you there's a such thing as that? Who told you collectively males are less testosterone over time? Where did you hear that data? Did you actually investigate the methods of that data information? Is it possible that just men are not moving and they eat more like shit over the past 30 years that has got us to that? Oh, you don't believe that one? Okay, let me try another angle. You know what I'm saying? Like we're we're going to work around that. So by the time you indirectly leave like this podcast or leave the consult, you're going to be like, you know what? I actually have been told that sex is supposed to be this frequent, feel like this, look like this. And this is how I'm supposed to... Uh, resolve these issues I've had since I've been 13 in my life. <laughs> and yeah, we can do that for you without even being sex therapists, but we just know the principles of getting to the root thing that you're showing up with, right? Based upon that. And I hope you can hear it in our recommendations today. I just got to say, because I took down his notes, whenever I hear, um, I'm going to get a t-shirt uh, that basically is like, against athletic greens and it's not because i actually give a shit about what's inside of but all the individuals that like are soft power grabbers like huberman's podcast they front it with this with athletic greens one or ag1 and they talk about it and listen this is what comes out of their mouth and listen, people who are like logical need to think about this they start off by saying don't you find it hard to get all your fruits and vegetables in during the day that's what that's what they start with as the premise and then go on with a 90 second rant on all this shit that's personally happened to them by taking AG1. But you see, this this is reflective of the entire podcast. You know what though I, I like because I do hear some people who are actually not healthy, but they have AG1 as a sponsor on their podcast. You know what they say to start? They're like, you know what? I'm lazy. I don't I don't I don't take time to prepare my meals. Um, and I actually hate the taste of this shit, but it makes me feel better. Yeah. Please buy AG1 because it's a sponsor. Do you know what I'm saying? 
but he they don't they don't on this podcast that's why i find them very erroneous right so they'll say oh you know you can't get vegetables in no you know what it should say and i took this down it said they should say when you can get enough vegetables in a day but you're too lazy to prepare and chew them take ag1 do you see how there's an honest like a metaphorical <laughs> truth before the actual presentation of the supplements anyways i just picked that out on the walk <laughs> i was like i gotta tell melissa about this like it's it's but it's that's why i call it such a soft like everyone's like oh man don't be picking on such a everyone thinks it's like natural and healthy no it's a gateway to biohacking it's a gateway to medicines it's a gateway to dependency it's also fucking costly yeah yeah right I, 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 I never want to go that route of like economics, but I mean, just think about the audience that can't afford any of the shit, of what they're talking about. Right. Think about that. The people that actually might really need some help and guidance. Yeah. Right. A sauna, you can put an ice pack in your, in your sauna, your sauna. Anyways, it's all performative and therapeutic uh, from the get-go. If you perceive it as that, as I do, then you can understand my my irk towards a lack of responsibility on behalf of the male to ask harder questions. Um, and I hope that uh, um, those who are listening today could have uh they maybe have gotten some references maybe you heard you know some language some books i mean yeah uh, i'm biased to that i think books can change people's lives uh because you take time to like dig into a particular topic um and you get away from like the 10 minute bit on youtube that like influences your whole life you know um or again you're watching some illicit sexual act that's actually not real and you know what you could be doing? You could be reading. You could be reading about psyche. Uh, you could be reading about perception. You could be reading about uh, how the techn technological digital world changes your brain. Right? That's what you could be reading about. There's books out there for that. Um, and instead of being like, oh, geez, you know, um, I just can't get away from it, so I'll just pray. Or I can't get away from it, so... Um, you know, I'll go get help. Like, no, those things are not going to help. You need to understand why. And I, I apologize. I, I put, put it to that. I, you know, we kind of cornered it towards that tone today, but I personally think it's like, it's, it's, it's a major unspoken piece that has, has broken a lot of brains. And therefore we have all these broken brains and we have these podcasts to think they're going to come up with answers and solutions to that. And no one wants to talk about it. No one wants to say it. So, hey, to each their own. They'll all figure it out. I would hope. Um, you heard in the recommendations, too, um, uh, you can email me, james at opexfit.com, if you want, for the particular recommendations. Um, if you're a, well, I guess anyone, male or female, um, uh, I could give you an inventory of some good readings for feminism and the history of it. Um, I went through that in 2023, and it has certainly 
uh, connected me to, um, to, to the reasoning behind a lot of the conversation for today, including this one. And I think it would help that conversation if you could step into the birth of and the formation of the feminine lens and understand where it sits in 2023, I think it'll, uh, it'll, you know, it'll, uh, it won't create this analysis. It won't create more men looking for Andrew Tate idols. That's what, it, if you, if you take that route, otherwise you're just going to be like signing up for the hyper masculine podcasts and listening to whatever, you know, just pleasures you in your brain over there. Um, and it's just not reality. Instead, you could spend six months over there reading the opposite side and then come back and go, geez, I wonder why there's podcasts for two hours on penises. I wonder why. Geez, it'll kind of give you a better, better answer to that. Uh, is there anything else, Melissa, that you uh, wanted to bring up or talk about? I, I really appreciate sending, you know, I know I may have given off that energy to you right from the get-go offline. And I apologize for that. Uh, but, and even when I do say it exhausts me, it still helps me, you know, it helps my brain and helps, you know, it doesn't, so don't, don't let that deter you from, <laughs> from trying to yank my chain on a particular topic for this. But uh, if it's not obvious, I, I feel very strongly about a number of these, a number of these things, a number of these topics this topic in particular um and so i appreciate you uh throwing it over and giving me the space and time to kind of just uh speak about what's on my brain in relation to that because it's more than just a urologist and a neuroscientist talking about penises there's a lot more to that so i appreciate it yeah and i appreciate the conversation because again anyone listening to this um i hope it just inspires them to do their homework to ask deeper questions. Um, and, you know, I think there's a lot of people I respect that listen to that podcast and just don't know better. Right. So I, my hope is that we just provide the resources or the inspiration to um, not just believe everything on it um, and, and look for deeper answers. Yeah, we can only hope, right? Yeah. That's the small F faith that I have in my six Fs of fitness, right? So the six Fs of, I don't even know what I call it, but six Fs of life, of live a larger life. Uh, fitness, finances, friends, small F faith, uh, family. Gosh, I should know this. Maybe the last one was F-U-C-K-I-N-G. I don't know. Maybe it, uh, that's, that could be a humorous take, but maybe it wasn't. I don't know. Um, anyways, that's what I mean by faith is like, we got to have, that's what I mean by small F faith. We got to have hope that people are going to take the self-responsibility to figure stuff out for themselves. Don't be dependent on medicine. Don't be dependent on doctors for information, Right. Um, and take self-responsibility. If your brain uh, right now is fucked up, 
and it's fucked up from your own decisions you've made for 15 years, whose fault is that? That's your fault. Okay, so now you're owning that and offering yourself some grace. Excellent. You know what the next steps are? The long game, the long, hard game. That's the next steps because it's going to take a long time for you to rewrite that. Um, and anything that steps in the way that that looks like anything that was shared on the podcast, you're getting stuck inside the medical model and dependency. It's not going to work out for you. Um, and to leave people on a good note, uh, those who do the long, hard game, I'm telling you, I've got so many examples of it. There is great stories on the other side, great relationships that were built, meaning they found partners that pair bonded perfectly for them based upon that. If that's of interest to individuals, then I think it would be right. Um, and if you don't find someone else, but you find yourself, Hey, right. That's all we can hope for too. Thanks, Melissa. See you guys in the new year. <laughs>